couple was it a couple months ago when Mark um, had a new curriculum for um, the adult Sunday school. We we finished up the handling um, life's problems um, series, and so he he came to us with this my spiritual passion series. So uh, what was your spiritual passion? And originally, I I, I was thinking about that, and I was like, what is my spiritual passion like? not a very passionate guy so to speak or at least what I think but I was I was thinking about that and I was like well what do I think about you know spiritually the most and um I was thinking you know it, I, I think it's reaching out to the lost um and, and not that not that I do it not that I'm always evangelizing but I think about it. I think about how I can reach the lost, how I can reach my neighbors, my coworkers um, in the National Guard, the, my classmates, um, just the random encounters throughout life. I, I think about, um, you know, proclaiming the gospel, how I can be more faithful, more a, a more effective witness. And I'm sure most of you probably think the same thing. If you don't, you should. You know, even if you're not evangelistic or you're not faithful, you should have some desire within you to share the gospel, as much as we all fail, we should have that desire within us. And so um, I've failed several times. Um, you know, when I first became a believer, uh, you know, as most new believers, you you have this desire to share. And it's amazing how um, usually new believers are the most zealous evangelists, and yet they know the least. <laughs> it's amazing how God works. And, and then even um, the people that do regularly go out evangelizing, they're, they're usually not your social butterflies. They're usually the socially awkward. <laughs> they're usually the shy, timid. And, and the way God uses believers to reach out to the lost, it, it's, it's all for his glory. And sometimes it, it's the least um, suspected person that reaches out to another person or someone from a totally different demographic than the person they're reaching. Um, but as believers, we should all have this desire. As much as we fail, as much as we fall short, as much as it might not be um, conducive to our personality or our giftings, we should have this desire. And so I want to go over um, for this week and next week, outreach and evangelism, so that we can learn how we can be more faithful in our outreach and evangelism. And there's, there's a specific reason why I said outreach and evangelism, because there's, there's a distinction. And sometimes it's subtle, um, but we can often confuse outreach and evangelism, or we, we think we're doing evangelism when we're really doing outreach. So it's important to define our terms. So for this week and next week, but specifically for this week, I'm going to go over uh, definitions, uh, purposes, distinctions of outreach and evangelism, and then we'll go into more of the specifics of outreach uh, this morning. And next week, I'll do more specifics of evangelism, how we can be more faithful in sharing the gospel and, and, and different methods um, and how to defend the faith. So, uh, definitions. Um, there's some definitions that um, different um, pastors and theologians and authors have, um, you know, defined evangelism. What is it? Dwayne Lipfin says, It is the act of giving verbal witness to the gospel 
the heralding of that good news to all who will listen. J.I. Packer says, according to the New Testament, evangelism is just preaching the gospel, the evangel. It is a work of communication in which Christians make themselves mouthpieces for God's message of mercy to sinners. Author John Cheeseman says, to evangelize is to declare on the authority of God what he has done to save sinners, to warn men of their lost condition, to direct them to repent and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some definitions, and, and a lot of people have their definitions, but ultimately our definition comes from the word of God. Um, evangel comes from the word uh, euangelion, the gospel. Euangelion is God's good news to humans. Good news as a proclamation. Uh, literally, euangelion means good news. With a direct object, it's to proclaim something as the divine message of salvation. Paul preached the gospel to the Corinthians. He euangelizo, to bring, announce good news. Without a direct message, is to proclaim the divine message of salvation, to gospelize. Paul said, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Euangelizestai. But it's also um, a teaching aspect. There is a teaching aspect to it. And didasco, to provide instruction, teach. When it's used with euangelizo, it's to teach concerning the good news. Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts 15.35, but Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching didascantes and preaching minoi with many others also the word of the Lord. Didasco refers to instructing activity which goes more closely into a matter, illustrates and supports it, and which produces true understanding. So the gospel can be, uh, it can be as simple as repent, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Or it can be an in-depth teaching of all the implications and applications of the gospel in a, in a classroom setting or just on a one-on-one conversation and, and um, bringing somebody through what is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also um, Russo, the where we get to herald, announce, make, make known, proclaim, to preach. Acts 28, 30, 31, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Romans 10, this is where we get the command to go, um, to go proclaim the gospel. The, the word of faith which we are preaching and how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? You know, we, if we understand the sovereignty of God and salvation, we understand that, that there's nothing that we can do to convert a sinner. Um, the only power we have is to proclaim. That's it. And, and even, even that act of proclamation is a, a, 
is a sovereign act of God that God not only draws sinners to himself, but he sends believers to lost sinners. He, he, you've heard of the, the term divine appointment. Um, a lot of times when, when people are preaching the gospel of somebody, they say, that, you know, this is a divine appointment. You know, and I'm sure all of you have had those situations where you're speaking to somebody and that opportunity just comes along. Or maybe you can look back on your own salvation and opportunities or people just came across your path. And it just, you know, at the time may have seemed like a coincidence, but as you've grown, you understand that was the providence of God, the sovereignty of God, that, that no one can save themselves. No one can can uh, can come and repent unless the Lord draws them. But yet God commands us to proclaim the gospel so that if we're obedient, we will proclaim even though the power to convert is not in us. The purpose, purpose of evangelism, the Great Commission, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Luke 24, um, Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, that we are to be a witness of these things. We are to testify. We are to proclaim. John twenty twenty one. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The Father did not send me into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world would be saved we proclaim that message Matthew 28 19 to 21 20 the great commission go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age and then before Pentecost when he appeared to the disciples. And, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Romans 10, like, like I said before, it's not, it's not, the power is not into, in us to convert anybody. We, we cannot convert and apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything. All we can do is proclaim. And yet we are, commanded to go proclaim that message how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed how will they believe in him whom they have not heard and how will they hear without a preacher how will they preach unless they are sent just as is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things so before i go any further um some of you may be aware of the great commission and the the go Therefore, and make disciples. Um, are we all commanded to quit our jobs and be missionaries or be street preachers or evangelists? No, no, we're not. And that it's, it's something, it's not a mistranslation. It's, it's kind of one of those 
one of those subtleties of, of the English language as we translate that. That's actually, go is actually a participle, going. Going therefore, as, or as you go. You know, as you go about your life, going therefore, going into the world, the, the things you do uh, uh, as you go about your life, be making disciples. This should be on your mind. This should be um, part of who you are. You should be thinking about making disciples and not making converts because we can't convert. We can't convert anybody. But making disciples implies, you know, preaching of the gospel. That, that, you know, we will proclaim the gospel and then we will teach them how to obey the commands of the gospel and obey Christ as, you know, God draws sinners to himself and, and converts them. And then we shall be his witnesses. His witnesses, is in not just in what we proclaim, but what we do our, our whole lives. We shall witness to the power. Um, as, as one, one uh, author has said, uh, Show me your redeemed life, and I'll believe that there is a redeemer. Um, we, we, should, we should walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel so that um, our, it gives evidence, it gives um, to our words. It affirms our words. So that is what evangelism is. Evangelism is just a verbal proclamation of the gospel. And it can be as simple as repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Or it can be a two-hour, three-hour conversation. Or, you know, the gospel is, is, you know, it can be the whole Bible because within the gospel is every aspect of theology. You have theology proper and, and God and his holiness and his justice and his wrath and his love and his mercy and his compassion. All the attributes of God are present in the gospel. Um, the sinfulness of man and homartiology and anthropology and who mankind is and his lost state, that is within the gospel. Who Christ is and what he has done uh, on the cross and, and his saving work, that is part of the gospel. Um, how we are to, to live in obedience, that is the effects of the gospel. What it has, has done to lost sinners and, and redeeming lost sinners. Um, the gospel is both simple and deep. It's, it's not an elementary issue that we just, we, we learn, we get saved, and then we go on to bigger and better things. No, the, the gospel is deep. It's, uh, as Peter said, you know, things which angels long to look into, the, the time when Christ was going to save men and, and everything about, you know, the, the effects of the gospel when, um, in, in Matthew, it said, Jesus said, um, you know, all of, all of heaven and the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents because they're amazed at the gospel. Now, outreach. And there, there's, a, there's a reason why I wanted to um, talk about outreach. I think outreach is, is really important because it, it provides a, a context to the gospel um, it, it's, it's a medium or a platform in which the, the gospel can be proclaimed. Um, and there's this definition from Tim Challies. He said, unlike evangel, the term outreach is not found in the Bible, though the idea certainly is. Outreach implies action more than message. Perhaps it is best defined as a business term, an act of reaching out, 
bringing an organization's services or products out into the community. When a church engages in outreach, it is either reaching out to the community in order to meet needs or to let people know of its existence. And so we reach out to people to give them an opportunity to see Christians in action and to learn about our church. This is outreach. Unbelievers are given a glimpse of the love of Christ through believers. Believers take their love for the lost into the community and allow them to see changed hearts in action. There is usually nothing offensive about outreach and is often regarded as noble even by those who are opposed to Christ. And I, I, would, I would agree with that, that definition. I, I think there's a lot of things the church does in terms of outreach that um, exposes ourselves to the community or, or seeks to draw the community to us um, for the sake of the gospel. But it must be for the sake of the gospel. It can't just be, you know, often outreach can just turn into um, social justice efforts. Um, some scripture, Matthew five, fourteen to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's our good works, our attitude, our behavior. Now, no one is going to get saved by our good works, um, but our good works adorn the gospel or they allow us uh, an entrance into somebody's life or to build a relationship to proclaim the gospel to them or to explain why it is we do what we do. Philippians 2. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. We should appear as different. We should be markedly different from the people around us and that should give us an opportunity to proclaim the message of the gospel, to proclaim why it is we act the way we do. Um, there's I haven't completely killed the sin of complaining or grumbling. I know most of us haven't, but there's been several times where um, I've been around a lot of, you know, people in the military that grumble and complain, and and people have asked me, you know, you're not complaining. Why, why you don't complain as much? Well, let me tell you why. This is why, because I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe that, that he orders all things, and um, he has delivered me and he, he works all things according to my good and his, his glory. And so I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't complain. I trust in him. And, uh, you know, and, and it gives me a platform for the gospel. First Peter, there, here's another one. Uh, First Peter, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for God's own possession. You're set apart, set apart, distinct from the rest of the world um, for God's glory, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, in this verse, the the emphasis is on proclaiming the excellencies of him. But we're, we're offered that opportunity through our behavior, through our good deeds, through our works, by glorifying God in our words and our actions and our behavior, our conduct, our excellent conduct. As we glorify God in all that we do, it should offer us opportunities to proclaim that God who has saved us that we are different. This is my definition. Outreach which glorifies God takes advantage of opportunities to expose the church to the community or draw the community to the church through charity, good deeds, and advertising for the sake of proclaiming the gospel to the lost, adorning the gospel with our good works, and bringing honor to the name of Jesus Christ with our excellent behavior. Colossians 4, 5 to 6. Conduct yourselves with wisdom as you go about your life. You conduct yourselves with wisdom how you're, you interact with, with outsiders, with unbelievers. Making the most of the opportunity. Making the most out of every interaction with unbelievers. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Why? For the sake of the gospel to glorify God. And Alexander McLaren has said, the greatest charity in the world is the communication of divine truth to the ignorant. So we, we can do all sorts of good works and have excellent behavior and there's many unbelievers and people from different religions that do good works, but what's the end of it? Our, our good works should point towards something. Our behavior should point towards something. Our speech um, we should use that as an, a launching pattern or an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, to tell people the reason for the hope that is within us. We can do all sorts of outreach, and um, if it never gets to the gospel, it's, it's all for naught. Um, the gospel is a message that must be proclaimed, but <clears throat> we, can, we can be creative and wise um, with how we can expose ourselves to unbelievers and how we can reach out to them for the sake of the gospel. A lot of the material I have, um, I took from my, my um, notes in seminary and some from um, Grace Advance Academy. And uh, this, this section of distinctions between um, the church's mission and individuals, um, you know, works and proclamation, 
Um, this is from uh, Mike Riccardi, the pastor of uh, local outreach at Grace Community Church. And this is kind of their philosophy. I just wanted to read it of mercy ministries versus um, what's the mission of the church. And he says, that distinction between individual Christians on the one hand and the church as a corporate institution on the other is a key interpretive issue in this discussion. There is no question that the New Testament calls Christians to love the poor and in so doing demonstrate the compassion of Jesus. But there is much confusion that results from conflating A, commandments given to individual Christians, with B, the mission of the institutional church. In other words, there is a distinction between corporate and individual ethics. The corporate church is not commanded to do everything that individual Christians are commanded to do. There's all sorts of good works that the church could involve themselves in, but we're, we have a distinct mission to proclaim the gospel to the lost, to, to be, um, be engaged in the Great Commission, to be, as um, Paul tells Timothy, a pillar and support of the truth, that the church is a pillar and the support of the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of mankind, the truth of God, the gospel. That, that's the one thing the church does that no one else does because we have the words of eternal life. And so that should be our sole purpose, our sole mission. That should be our number one priority is the salvation of lost sinners and proclaiming that message that can save sinners, not just making them comfortable on their way to hell. And we're all, you know, we're all at some level convicted about this. That, that we should somehow um, grow. And it, it's just like any other aspect of the Christian life. Um, it, it's not an, an all or nothing. There's a continuum of progression towards greater and greater faithfulness. He goes on to say, in particular, the New Testament commands to show compassion to the poor and the needy are given to individuals and are not to be understood as additions to the univocal mission of the church, i.e. make disciples by preaching the gospel. While mercy ministry is, a, is to have a vital place in the local church and especially in the lives of individual believers, mercy ministry is not the church's mission. Rather, as we stated at the beginning, the church's mission is to make disciples of Christ by A, verbally declaring the gospel, B, gathering evangelized disciples into local churches, and C, training those disciples to worship the Lord Jesus and obey all that he has commanded us. That is the mission of the church. And we should be concerned about that mission in our individual lives. We should be concerned about the lost state of the unbelievers around us. We should be concerned about how we can reach out to them. But as individuals, we also are concerned about um, putting God on display through our behavior, through our our words and our actions and our thoughts um, to glorify God in all that we think, say, and do. And as we do that, it should give us opportunity to reach out and proclaim the gospel. So there's some definitions, some purposes, and some distinctions. Now, I want to go into outreach. Why outreach? Um, And the pros and cons of outreach. Um, 
you can get creative with outreach, but there, there's some, some key things, um, some pros. pros. Outreach exposes the church and believers to the community. Outreach is usually non-threatening or commendable to unbelievers. It usually develops the congregation's goodwill in the community, our, our, our name. We should have an honorable name in the community. Um, this is part of the reason why we do church discipline, so that we don't shame the name of Christ. Outreach can draw unbelievers to the church or other individual believers. It provides a platform or a medium for the gospel. It can encourage and spur other believers on to good works and personal evangelism. Outreach programs and events can mobilize and unify the church to serve, give, and evangelize. Um, that was one, one of the things of, uh, when Billy Graham was doing his, his evangelistic crusades um, one of the benefits that people didn't see is when he would come to town and he would, he would um, work with churches, he, that crusade had an effect on the local churches because it would mobilize the believers and, and have them focus on a goal of outreach. And, and they would therefore, after the crusade is long gone, they would be more evangelistic and they would be more unified because they had a goal. Cons of outreach. Believers can confuse outreach with evangelism. We can be involved in all sort of outreach ministries, and if we never proclaim the gospel, we're not evangelizing. We're we're just doing good works. We're helping, we're serving, we're doing something that's commendable, but we're not evangelizing unless we proclaim the gospel. Believers can use their involvement in outreach or mercy ministries as an excuse for not evangelizing. And you might not ever, you probably never verbally say this, but um, we, we can get to thinking, we can get involved in all sorts of outreach and never proclaim the gospel and, and think that we're obeying the commands of preaching the good news. Many types of outreach waste resources and have a low return on investment. This is probably the biggest con uh, of, or bi- biggest um, biggest negative effect of aspect of outreach Um, there's a lot of different types of outreach that churches are involved in that we're not involved in because the elders in their wisdom have decided that that's probably a waste of time and energy and resources and and there's a lot of silly things that other churches do Um, some types of outreach can discredit the church they make the church seem silly and foolish Um, they they do uh, clownish stuff Uh, I mean who knows who knows about the, the touchdown Jesus? The touchdown Jesus. It was, a, it was um, yeah, it was a huge, giant, this mega church. I think it was in Ohio. It had this huge um, statue of Jesus with his arms spread out and all the unbelievers and all the people around called it the touchdown Jesus. And it was just a mockery of the church. And I don't think it was a solid church, but I mean, the, you, you can look at other churches and do all sorts of silly stuff to try to attract the world to the church or try to get the, the world to come or unbelievers to come or to stay in the church. And in the end, it just discredits the church. Many types of outreach can quickly diminish into social justice and welfare efforts rather than being a platform or a medium for the gospel. That's probably the biggest negative aspect of, of many outreach programs is they, they just turn into good works, digging wells for Jesus or you know, um, just handing out food, doing outreach. Um, I, I know of uh, several 
people that have gone down to Skid Row to in LA to to um, evangelize and witness to the homeless people there, and the homeless people have said, you know, listen, uh, uh, there's religious organizations come down here every day, bring us food, clothing, blankets, all this stuff, and they're just doing their good deeds. They see right through it. They see it. It's just superficial. They're just doing their good deeds, and um, you know. You bring us, you bring us news. You know, they, they. One of my friends said, yeah. One of the homeless people said, you know, thank you for just, you know, proclaiming, you know, the gospel or God's Bible to me. You just teach me about the Bible. Like I have more than enough food, clothing, blankets, all this stuff. Now that doesn't mean that we don't show compassion, but our compassion should have an objective. Um, there should be something greater. Um, if we just make, make people more comfortable on their way to hell, that's, that's no good. Types of outreach. I, I want to go over um, different. And the, this was just something that I was brainstorming. Um, many of things I've seen, many things I was thinking about, things which you, you can do on an individual level or the church does on corporate level. But there's a lot of things that you can do to expose yourself more to unbelievers or, or to, to give yourself um, kind of a context or a way to, to preach the gospel. Um, invitations to church, number one. That's, that's not evangelism, but it's inviting someone to a place where evangelism happens, primarily in the church. Um, the number one place where evangelism happens is, is the pulpit. And it happens every Sunday. And so inviting people to church is a good thing. It's not necessarily evangelism unless you're sharing the gospel and then you invite them. Um, But it's something we should all do. Um, Showing hospitality to family, friends, and neighbors. Um, We should look for those opportunities to reach out to our friends and our neighbors and invite them into our home and and be hospitable um, to do good works. Um, that allows us context to proclaim the gospel, to develop relationships with unbelievers. Um, Biblical counseling. People have problems all over. The world's full of sin. And um, there's been several times uh, that I have um, offered biblical counseling, not not by myself, but, you know, I've offered some counsel, but I have... um, offered a a site a website or a referral to unbelievers hey you know you have this marriage problem or this problem in your life i know you know there's these biblical counselors you can go to free counseling and and what are they going to get when they go to a biblical counselor they're going to get the gospel so we that's a huge outreach and a lot of churches that have solid biblical counseling ministries um, they offer them for free to the community and unbelievers come in and they're going to hear the gospel. They might not have their problems fixed, but they should hear the gospel. Um, internet. This is a huge... We're, we're living in an age of... Um, many preachers have said that you know, we're on the heels of a worldwide revival. We just don't see it because the gospel is able to go all over the world. And there's... there's resources and that can go into closed countries that you know 20 years ago we couldn't we couldn't get into and um so you know internet our church has a website 
You know, we have a sign outside. That's outreach. We have a great website. Many people have come to the church because of our website. We can post sermons online. Um, Many of you have social media accounts. You can post things online for the sake of the gospel. You can post sermons. Um, But with that, there's also comes wisdom that you would not discredit the name of Christ and be harsh and um, contentious. Um, Pray before you post. (laughs) So, um, cards. Cards. uh, Holidays, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations. Thank you. You can write a nice card. You should be writing. This is one thing that my wife has. I I never really wrote that many cards until I, I got married. And Deb is great with cards. And you can write an encouraging note and put a reference to a Bible verse. That, that's not necessarily the gospel. You're not, you know, you don't write a, a you know, birthday card, happy birthday, repent and believe, <laughs> you know. But you can have, you know, you can have an encouraging note. You can have a Bible reference. You can say, hey, I'm praying for you in this time, especially in a time of grief. Hey, I'm, you know, sorry for your loss. I'm praying for you, you know, Bible verse. And, and then, you know, this person cares about me. They, they took the time to write a note. They care about my situation. And maybe later on down the line, they'll, they'll ask you or that, that'll open the door to a time when you can proclaim the gospel to them. Giving to the poor and needy. That's with wisdom and discernment. Um, you can hear, you know, we hear all sorts of stories about homeless people just, you know, lying and, and scamming and, and, and they're, they're probably earning more money than, than most people. But that shouldn't close off our hearts just because, you know, um, John Piper has said, you know, he gives, he gives to um, poor and needy people and he said, you know, when, when I get to heaven, you know, God's not going to commend me because I didn't get ripped off. <laughs> you know, he's like, I, I'd rather err on the side of generosity. Um, but when we give, we can do with wisdom and discernment and give like gift cards to McDonald's or, or whatever and, and give a tract or, or say, ask them, hey, can, you know, I'll give you a few dollars if you'll give me a few minutes of your, of your time and proclaim the gospel to them. Um, you, you, it takes wi- wisdom and discernment and, and we're not required to give to every person that asks, but we should be generous. Um, short-term missions trips. Um, that sink think second, third, fourth, and fifth order of effects. Many missionaries became missionaries because they went on a mission trip. Um, short-term mission trips, a, a lot of times they, they might not be doing evangelism. They might be just, um, you know, uh, renovating facilities or whatever for the missionary. They're, they're doing something for the missionary that helps that missionary's ministry. Um, they kids, college kids or whatever that go on short-term missions trips, they get an idea of, of ministry around the world, of how the gospel is. It affects them. It makes them more evangelistic. Signs um, at your workplace, in your home, car, billboard. Um, once again, you don't you know, put a sign on your office desk, repent and believe. <laughs> you know, or, you, you know, but, but you do have encouraging notes. You, you know, you might have a nice little plaque or whatever that has an encouraging scripture reference or whatever, um, you know, around your home, around your workplace or, or whatever. And, and that offers a, a point of conversation or a context or maybe a, a, 
a coworker or a friend that comes into your home asks you about that or you know and it's just oh that's just to encourage me about the gospel and what God has done in my life would you like to know you know it, it offers you that platform to proclaim the gospel helping out mercy ministries children's hunger fund or or giving um, to certain ministries that you know proclaim the gospel as a minister um medical outreach and missions um you know you think if you're a nurse or or whatever you could probably offer your services as a nurse to a you know a local you know sports game or you have a you know a kid that is playing t-ball or whatever and just say hey you know i'm a registered nurse or i'm an emt you know i can help you guys out and that might you know just as a service to unbelievers and that that might give you an opportunity to proclaim the gospel and be like you know i just want to want to show some compassion that that you know christ has has shown me and just you know um, offer my services but many um you know medical missions is is a huge has a huge impact which you don't really see um you know because their sole purpose isn't proclaiming the gospel um but they're there uh, as a result of the gospel to, to open the door for gospel proclamation. And, and there is um, some um, debate over, you know, whether or not you should support medical missions. And, and I agree that, that our support for missions should be primarily to church planters and people who are proclaiming the gospel. But nonetheless, um, medical missions offers inroads to gospel pro- proclamation holiday events um, there's many things that we can do around the holidays that will give us um, context or, or a, a reason a platform to proclaim the gospel um, Christmas caroling um, and handing out tracts um, there's things around Easter dinner all sorts of you know inviting people into your home um, harvest festivals um, around Halloween and, and um, Halloween's one that, that's the this Halloween I think I passed out about 50 tracts because we made little gift baggies with candy and stuff and put tracks in there. And the kids came to my door and got a track and brought it home. And hopefully somebody read it. So you can proclaim the gospel through that. Um, Thanksgiving dinners, inviting, you know, unbelievers over. Uh, you can be an outreach or, um, you know, your family. There, there's probably almost every one of us has unbelievers at our holiday dinners um, through our, our family or friends. Music concerts. Um, I've seen many churches do a music concert at a college campus or somewhere and, um, you know, give a little gospel presentation. Or, you know, if, if you're a musician, you can, you know, go, you give a recital or whatever, you can share something. Or, you know, if you are a musician, you do a recital, pick a hymn, you know, play Amazing Grace. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Amazing Grace it's amazing that that song is sung by unbelievers, millions of unbelievers all over the world almost every day. And there is a clear gospel message in that song. It's a great outreach. Um, music is a wonderful outreach. It's just what's, what are we singing? What are we um, playing? Um, and if we play those gospel-centered songs or hymns, it's, it's a wonderful outreach. Um, radio ministry, newspaper, magazine ads, ESL classes. ESL classes are a huge outreach 
that, you know, use the Bible as a textbook. You know, people want to learn English or they want to learn another language. Okay, here's our textbook. And you go through it and then they hopefully will have questions or hopefully, you know, you, you know, you know here, here, we'll, we'll translate John three sixteen. <laughs> you know, there's, there's ways we can proclaim the gospel. Music classes. Once again, you know, if you're a musician, you're giving classes to, to somebody, you know, have, have your students do evangelistic hymns or evangelistic songs and practice those songs. Teach them amazing grace. Um, uh, as a school teacher, you can have an outreach as a school teacher, um, you know, because eventually at some point you're probably going to talk about things that happen in the world and world history or worldviews or world religions and somehow you can you can use your subject as a means of proclaiming the gospel. And I know some schools are more um, open to teachers than others, and, and others, they, they don't want the teacher to, to give their personal views. But whenever a student asks, you're allowed to, you know, share your beliefs. In whatever school, a student asks you a question, there's ways you can be tactful. Even in the most hostile situations, you can be tactful and wise about guiding the conversations towards the gospel. In world history, worldviews, world religions, what is happening in the world, that's a wonderful context. Ethnic Bible studies, um, food drives and distributions. I, w- I was part of a church once. They, they had a, a, a food um, distribution ministry where they, they, would just, they would get a bunch of um, free food from donated from stores, from grocery stores and restaurants and stuff, and most of it canned and dry foods, and they would give it away, but the people would have to come to the church, and they'd have to hear a gospel message. And, and what was in those bags of food? Tracks and booklets. Maybe an outreach Bible. You know, it's wonderful outreach if you're wise about how you do it. Um, and you can do that on an individual level. You know, as you you know, know a needy person or a needy family member or, or needy friend, um, you can buy them food. Because a, a lot of times we, we have, um, you know, most of us, w- we might have a friend or we know somebody that is just in sin and they, they can't make ends meet and they ask for money and money is probably the last thing you want to give them. But if you, you know what, I'll buy you some groceries. I'll put some groceries in your fridge and this is why I'm doing it. Because... Christ has done a work in my life and I want to share that with you and here's a Bible. You know, so we need to, we can be creative with how we do outreach and how we proclaim the gospel. There's, there's many contexts. Um, sports outreach. I was part of a couple churches that have gyms. We don't have a gym, but a couple churches that have gyms that offer, um, you know, the community to come in and play basketball or volleyball or whatever, and then there's a gospel presentation. Um, but you could do that on an individual level if you're involved in a kid's, um, you know, sports team or you're coaching. You can, hey, 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 kids, um, you know, right before our game, we're going to stop, we're going to pray. Or there's certain ways you can use that context to, to proclaim the gospel. Um, rehab centers and ministries. I, I've served in rehab centers and, and ministries before and, and been able to proclaim the gospel there. And I've known several people. This is part of my background, my testimony of drugs and alcohol. And, and uh, you know, there's, I still have old friends and family members that are involved in, in drugs and alcohol. And, and um, 
I'm able to reach out to them in uh, certain ways. Um, homeless shelters, we talk about that. Prison jail ministry, we have a ministry right here. Um, Rudy Flores goes out. Anybody want to tag along with him and, and, and serve in, in that ministry? And, you know, uh, prisoners are, are happy just to have someone come in and just to show their time and show compassion towards them. And it offers that context of a Bible study and proclaiming the gospel. Um, disability, special needs ministry. I, I'm amazed at, at how the church has, is just always every church has some disabled people in it or draws disabled people to it. And I think it's God's way of testing our compassion towards people who, who are less able, who are disabled, um, that we can show compassion to people with disabilities and, and share the gospel with them or their caretaker. Because um, sometimes people with disabilities, you know, even if they go to church, they might have a caretaker that's not a believer. And as we serve people with disabilities, um, we can com- sometimes relieve that caretaker and that can offer us a context to proclaim the gospel to them and show the compassion of Christ. Bible distribution. I was a Gideon for a few years. Um, all those Bibles in the hotels, that is a great um, parachurch organization that distributes Bibles. And, um, you know, I was a uh, Bible distribution. I mean, you don't have to be a Gideon or anything, but you can distribute Bibles in places and ask people, hey, do you need a Bible or, or can I leave a Bible here or, you know, certain places, um, workplace or locations you visit. Um, you know, it's a great outreach. It's not the gospel, but you're leaving a Bible with the gospel. Um, one outreach I, I thought about is um, a table, you know, at a bus or rail ter- terminal with, with um, free coffee or whatever. You know, once again, that's, that's cost-benefit analysis. Uh, you know, return on investment, you know, it, that costs some time and money, as all outreach programs do. But um, I know a church that had done this, um, free coffee, and for, you know, a couple hours, and people come over, you have a table with tracts or counseling booklets, that's an outreach, the, the context for the gospel. Um, pageants, plays at Christian schools or children's ministry. Um, I'm amazed at how many unbelievers will never step into the door of a church except when it's a little four-year-old going to do a play <laughs> or, or some Christmas play or Easter recital. And, and kids, kids draw people to church. Kids draw people to church probably more than, than any, anything else. Um, I, I'm also amazed at how many unbelievers, they, they would never go into church until they have kids and then all of a sudden they think that they should raise their kids with some sort of morality. And it's like, okay, well, your kids need morality and they need, you, you want them to have meaning and purpose, but for you, that, you know, it doesn't matter. But, but we can use that. That's one of the benefits of children's ministry is that we can draw, you know, if you do it right, you draw unbelievers to the church. You draw unbelieving family members. Or that kid goes home with his, you know, coloring sheet with verses all over it and his parents read it. And, you know, who knows the impact of that? Um, election polling place. We just did this. We just did this for estate primaries. We opened up our facilities so that people could come in and vote 
And what do they see when they come in and vote? They see the pictures and the scripture on the wall. They see the, the you know, outreach Bibles. You know, there, there might be a chance to interact with them and proclaim the gospel. Christian education schools. VBS, if it's done right. <laughs> if it's done right. It's really, because sometimes it's, it's just a place to drop your kids off to get them out of your hair for a week. And you're like, uh, you know, a lot of unbelievers, thank God for, you know, I don't believe in God, but thank God for VBS. <laughs> you know? um, but if VBS is done right, you can have an interaction with the parents and you can have uh, a context for the gospel. You can send the gospel home with the kids <laughs> in Bibles and tracts and all sorts of other um, literature. Children's ministry, talk about that. Um, historical movies and biographies. Um, how many people have saw The Passion of the Christ? Like unbelievers. Like that was a huge movie. And that, when that came out, that was a means for outreach. That, that was a means for conversation. When, when there's a, when there, like Amazing Grace, that, that movie about William Wilberforce, that, that, was, that was pretty popular. Um, I don't know if it hit the box office, but you know, that, that's a means in conversation of talking or, or you can tell your unsaved friends, hey, you should watch this movie. Um, check this movie out and then you can talk about it. Um, Christian music. Um, I know of a couple people that have been impacted or saved through um, contemporary Christian music or somebody's like, hey, listen to this song or it opens a door to proclaim and explain the gospel. Um, worship. Our worship should be our biggest means of outreach. Our worship, the way we, we worship God, um, how we feel about God, it should, that, that should be the motivating factor that overflows into our outreach that makes us look distinct and different from the world. And uh, I, I remember hearing a story about um, Bill Shannon at Grace Community Church had a friend who um, across from his street, he had an undercover cop who was staking out uh, one of his neighbors. This undercover cop was watching his neighbor's house for a couple months, and then he kept seeing um, the pastor's friend come home every day and playing with his family, and, and he didn't know that that cop was having problems in his life and his marriage. And one day the cop just had enough, and he came over, and he's like, I want to know what's different about you. And he said, come in, let me show you. He opened up his Bible and shared the gospel with him. We have no idea our impact of how we live our lives and the inroads that that will give us to proclaiming the gospel. Allowing others to use our facilities or our stuff. Um, this can happen on a corporate level. We have an outreach with the Boys and Girls Club. We allow them to use our facility. Um, on an individual level, you, you know, you see your neighbor struggling to get something off his roof. Hey, I got a ladder. You want to use that? Right. You know, you can borrow my lawnmower or whatever. You know, there's ways we can, we can show charity. We can, can show kindness for the means of eventually building that relationship and proclaiming the gospel, showing them why we're different. Bible conferences, steadfast. Um, yesterday, uh, my wife, she had an assignment for BTI to hand out tracts. So we went to a park and we were able to share a gospel with a couple people by saying, hey, we got this conference at our church. Do you go to church? Um, yes, no. Well, we have, our church has this conference and then that opened up into proclaiming the gospel to two people yesterday and we're thankful for that and, and we can do that because we have that, this conference and especially a creation conference, that flyer 
handing that out, passing that out to people or asking if you can place it in businesses will allow you that foot in the door to proclaim the gospel. Or you can draw unbelievers to the conference. Tables and booths at local fairs and festivals. That's, a, that's another way, um, you know, a chair, uh, I mean, a church can um, set up a booth at, at like a local festival or fair and, and offer counseling booklets or tracts or just to be there to, to show their face to the community. Um, so that was just a, a list. That, that's just me um, brainstorming. Um, and I'm sure, you know, many of you are creative. Um, you can think of ways in which you can expose yourself or the church or draw unbelievers to the church or a place where they hear the gospel, and that's outreach. As long as out- outreach, there's nothing really that, that um, hinders outreach or, or, or the ways you can do it except the fact that it has to be gospel-centered for the sake of the gospel. And, you know, it should be, it should be wise. It shouldn't discredit the church or seem foolish. Um, if you have outreach ideas, it's always good to, to bounce that off of somebody else, and especially an elder or deacon or somebody godly that you uh, admire and say, hey, hey it, it, does this idea sound stupid or is it good? And then the, they'll be happy to say yay or nay, um, and, or whether or not it'll waste resources. But there's several things that we can do on an individual and corporate level to get the gospel out or to bring people to a place where they can hear the gospel. Our faithfulness, faithfulness in outreach and evangelism. Um, how does God see our faithfulness? Because we're not all um, called to be missionaries or called to be street preachers or, you know, evangelism isn't one way or outreach isn't just one methodology. Um, as long as we don't mess up the message, the, the one thing, we, we got to get the message right. We got to um, honor Christ in our behavior and, and our words and our actions. Um, but outside of getting the message right and our behavior and actions, um, you know, we can be creative, but we're all different. We're all different. And so God measures our faithfulness according to, you know, whether or not we're a believer, whether or not we're here, his, our desires, do we really desire, um, you know, our, our, do we have mixed motives? Um, our responsibilities, God will never ask us to be disobedient in one area of life so that we can be obedient in another area of life. Um, you know, we, we, we can't forsake our, our marriage and our, our parenting responsibilities or our work responsibilities to go proclaim the gospel. And, and there's no contradiction in those things. Um, you know, it, it's our whole life when we balance that out. That's why the, the Great Commission says, as you are going. Um, it's not drop everything and go. It's as you are going, as you're going about your life, carrying out all your responsibilities. Find those those times, those contexts, those opportunities to proclaim the gospel. According to our maturity, um, as you grow in the faith, you should bear more fruit as you grow. Um, according to our knowledge, um, what we know, um, we're, we're, we're held accountable to what we know. Um, our abilities, uh, we all have different abilities, and as we age, our abilities um, slowly decline. Our, our gifting, our life circumstances, you know, we all have life circumstances. Some of us have more kids than others or more jobs or, or more hindrances than others. Um, some of us have our opportunities. Some have more opportunities than others given their context and where they're at. And then he measures our faithfulness according to the message. Are we faithful to the gospel and to the message? 
There's some scripture. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of, of him they will ask all the more. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. That, that's, just, that's just a principle for all of life and sanctification is focus on the little things, on the day-to-day things, being faithful in the little things. And then the, the parable of the sower. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not concerned, we're not responsible for the results. We're just responsible for getting the message out. God causes the growth. God causes, um, God converts sinners. We're, we're, just, we're, we're just his means of getting his message out. Finally, um, benefits of outreach and evangelism. It pleases God. It facilitates a God-honoring focus of churches and believers. It keeps us on focus. Um, it can curb and starve complaining and criticism within churches and individual believers. We're going to focus on some, something. Our focus should be upward and outward, not downward and inward. Um, if, if you want to find flaws in the church, um, there's, they're all over the place. You know, and if you focus on the church or yourself, there's flaws, there's sins. You, you can criticize the church all day long. But if our focus is Godward and outward, then that can curb our complaining and our criticism. It allows believers opportunities to experience true fellowship. Koinonia is partnership. We experience fellowship here, but real fellowship is when we're partnering with others in ministry. That's the deepest fellowship is when you're ministering alongside other believers. Um, It allows believers to witness supernatural works of the Holy Spirit. Many, many charismatics want to see miracles, but the greatest miracle that's happening today is conversion. That's the miracle, new birth. And you witness that when you evangelize and when you do outreach. It bolsters our faith in the word of God and the power of the gospel. We see negative and positive responses. And we're like, whoa, that person was just nice to me. And then all of a sudden I shared the gospel and they just did a 180. Or, or you know, they were indifferent and then I saw some work of the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden they're concerned, deeply concerned, and they're about, they're crying. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Um, it makes us more effective at outreach and evangelism. You know, you, the, the more you do, the, the better you get at something. Well, you can read the rest of that. I'm out of time. Um, I had a lot of material. I have a little bit more, um, but... I have a little bit of homework for praying, praying for our gospel witness, individual and corporately. With that, um, let me pray and close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for this church. We thank you for um, your gospel that saves sinners. Lord, help us to be a light to a dark world. Help us to proclaim your gospel. Please give us opportunities to proclaim your gospel. Please give us wisdom and boldness. And uh, please... Um, Help us to walk in a manner worthy of your gospel that we would not bring shame upon your name. It's in your name that we pray.